Hello, and welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is Madeline Moon. Madeline is self-described as what you get if a tantrika made love to a comedian. She's a devoted teacher. She has a top 100 podcast. She teaches people how to unite the feminine along with the masculine in not only themselves and their partner, but also with the world. Her work's been featured on People Magazine, Teen Vogue. She's wonderful, truly. And in this conversation, she presented topics in a way that I had never heard them described before. We talked about her upbringing in an abusive religious household, her experience as a professional bodybuilder with an eating disorder, and how she came to be who she is. And then we also dive into the idea that your transmission is a magnet, that your energetic experience attracts certain things into your life. And we get a little bit philosophical talking about the energetics of the masculine and the feminine, diving deep and having a lot of fun. You're going to like this podcast. You're going to want to take some notes and you're going to want to come back and maybe listen to it a second time, actually. It's that good. Oh, we also talk about the sacred art of creating in love, how art is the language of your longing. Whew, it's a good one. You can check Madeline out online at maddiemoon.com. You can follow her on Instagram. You can share this with everybody that you have ever met in your entire life because the world needs this wisdom. And if you're new here, go ahead and scroll through the old episodes. There are more than 150 episodes, including some very familiar faces and names that I know that you will recognize and benefit from getting their wisdom in your ear bones. So have a scroll, download a couple, and uh, without further ado, here's Madeline Moon. All right. Actually, do you, do you prefer Madeline or Maddie? I prefer Madeline, even though my website is maddiemoon.com. I prefer Madeline. Yeah. Why, why is your website Maddie Moon if you prefer Madeline? Well, uh, seven years ago when I decided to get the URL, it just had a certain like ring to it. And it does, Maddie Moon. And I was yeah. just thinking how much more brandable it would be how people would misspell Madeline. And then in the past seven years, I've just really grown into my full name. Mm. I was much more of a Maddie then. Um, and now I, I own both URLs, just in case they ever want to use Madeline. But, you know, Google uh, SEO already has Maddie all over, so I just leave it. Right. Maybe that's a good place to start because I was going to ask you about your past. I, I did a little uh, snorkeling of your website and discovered you have uh, an interesting past, mm. which... I wrote down raised Baptist, daily abused, emotional hot mess, eating disorder, bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that kind of the Maddie umbrella? And then you've evolved yeah. into Madeline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of that encompasses very well those little notes, um, what I experienced back in the day. So I can start there a little bit about that that journey of um my early twenties. So I, not unlike many small children experienced a very complicated upbringing and I internalized a lot of the, uh, the complexities that I was raised with a lot of generational narcissism and a lot of psychological, emotional, and spiritual abuse inside of my household, but also inside of the um, Christian church, not so much the church, but that the way that the church was manipulated in my household. So it was a very, um, it was a very toxic, confusing and, and wound driven upbringing. And I internalized a lot of that, you know, a lot of the messages of God doesn't, you know, honor me or love me or appreciate me. And what can I do to get God's approval? Which was, of course, actually, what can I do to get mommy's approval? Because mommy was God. Mommy was kind of like the Catholic church, you know, deciding what, what was approved and what was not. And it goes much deeper than that. But essentially what I decided to do as a little second grader was suck in my stomach, make myself smaller, get really tiny, become itty bitty so that I don't feel things and I disappear because the more that I disassociated from my 
emotional expression, the safer I was. There wasn't any kind of physical abuse in my, in my household, but there was a lot of energetic and emotional. So anytime that I would be crying or upset at my family, I would get basically emotionally bludgeoned and, and yelled at until I stopped crying. And then when I went numb, I would finally have, be able to close my bedroom door and cry alone and have peace and just get out of the energetic field of them screaming at me. So wow. when we look at like this dynamic, it's kind of easy to see that as I got older, I started using food and, and making myself smaller to um, emotionally numb out what I was feeling. So there was the physical manifestation of trauma. I'll, I'll just say for everybody, there's the physical manifestation of trauma. And then there's like the emotional one. So for me, as I got older, I, because my expression and my emotions were so um, against my identity of the way I needed to be, I became a bodybuilder so that I would quite literally become smaller, physically become smaller, physically kind of disappear. Even though I was building my body, it, I wasn't really building. It was just, it was bodybuilding with you know quotations, but it was really like just massive dieting and not eating very much. So I was kind of trying to make myself a dude. If I eat like a dude, I look like a dude, I walk like a dude, I become a meathead, I eat 240 grams of protein a day which is just insane. So unhealthy, so unhealthy, so bad. Um, so much protein. Oh no. And I was, I was like 110 pounds at five foot six and so much protein, just like, you know, the way you eat really does determine how you act. And so I was, my brows were always furrowed and I was walking like I was a big bodybuilder, but I was so small, so tiny. But you could just look at me and see that I was trying so hard to become rigid. And today, I am a feminine and masculine embodiment teacher. I teach polarity, but I also teach creative expression, how to be expressive with your body, how to be expressive with your emotion, expressive in your love and relationship. And that, that inward collapse caving around my expression resulted in this hyper-wounded masculine um, body, body and energy. And what I was essentially trying to do was to numb out as much feminine as I could and pile on as much, it's not even masculine, to be frank, that wasn't masculine, just pile on as much disassociation as I could to become less feminine, less feeling, less emotional, less irrational. And the key to all that healing has been 10 years of deep uh, somatic healing and feminine and masculine embodiment work, as well as creative expression. So that's where we started. Yeah. Wow. Uh, when you look at the bodybuilding industry as a whole, and this is perhaps a tangent straight off the bat, but like, what do you see now? Is it just widespread that? Or is there a healthy way to do that? I, I don't think any of it's healthy. I have to just, you know, just long story short, I don't mm -hmm. think it's healthy. Mm -hmm. I, especially for women, especially for women. Uh, it's the total opposite of anything intuitive. There's no intuition in bodybuilding. It's all structure. It's all planned. It's all a regime. And it's all competition. There is no flow. There is no expression. It's just like your expression is the template of this is the way you need to look. That is expression. So you get on the stage in your sparkly suit and your nine layers of spray tan on your little tiny heels and you can walk and prance and show off and that's expression. But what it takes to get to that three minute twirl on the stage is three months, four months, five months of consistently living your life by numbers from calories to steps to the amount that you burn on the treadmill, the time you're in the gym, everything is about numbers and structure, which is helpful in some areas of life, but not, I don't think bodybuilding because it also leaves you just like staring at the ceiling, you know, like what was all this for, you know, it's this wild chase both for men and for women 
And then you get to the end and you get like the thing is done. You, you get the trophy or you get the photos and, and then you have to deal with the aftermath of your body and it's very poor metabolism trying to find its way back. And then you have the mental stuff, the mental gunk you got to work with of like seeing your body morph back to being a normal shape and gaining weight and the emotional stuff that comes up with eating food that wasn't on your bodybuilding meal plan and the negative self-talk. You know, I, I, w- I will say there are definitely trainers and coaches out there that can do it more healthily where they very incrementally scale you up, scale you down. But I still, you know, because I'm projecting here, but because of my own experiences, I still do not think that it is a worthwhile venture for anyone who really wants to like experience the, the immense capacity they are capable of experiencing in the realm of freedom. I think that is always a better choice. Yeah. I was just thinking about how that experience that you had is analogous perhaps to a lot of the clients that you work with in terms of, we all have our own way of avoiding sitting with ourselves and our body and our truth. And for you, it was bodybuilding, but for others, it's drinking, smoking, working, etc. Is there any common themes that you come across that, that you see in people? again and again and again? Hmm. Yeah, there's a couple things. In the feminine lens, there is a, um, a, hyper, a hyper-analyzation around feeling emotions or not feeling emotions. I have a lot of women that come to me because they want to learn how to be in their feminine, be in their body, feel their feelings. And, um, on one side of the coin, I hear a lot that they're frustrated that they can't really access pleasure. You know, if we spend like a couple months just focusing on pleasure, there is the, the common frustration that like, I'm, I feel disconnected from my body, from my own pleasure, from enjoyment. And then on the flip side, they might be experiencing a lot of grief, a lot of pain. So there is an emotion there, but they want to get to the good stuff. They want to get to the pleasure. They want to get to the enjoyment, to being the feminine goddess wearing the white dress on the beach as she drinks her celery juice. Like, when do I get to that flowy goddess level? And instead of being with what is, like, okay, you feel grief. That is the feminine. Grief, longing, frustration, sadness, all of that, that is the feminine right there. It's not skipping over that to get to the white dress. It's the it's the emotion you feel right now, whatever it is. And so there is a, a hyper, like I was saying, analyzation of what the feminine should be because whatever's happening right now, this can't be it. I see that a lot. Like whatever's ha- like I'm frustrated that this stuff is coming up in our coaching container because it, it means I'm failing at this whole feminine body thing. Like, no, that's it. That's it right there. Your grief, your sadness, your self-loathing, your... Uh, familial pain, like all of that coming up is, is the feminine. And then there's another flavor of the feminine, which is pleasure and enjoyment and beauty and elation and euphoria. And that's all good too, but they work together, right? It's it, that in itself is polarity, the high spectrum of enjoyment and the, the depths of the grief and the pain. And all of this needs to be experienced and felt to resensitize, to be, become energy again. And that's what, again, the feminine is is energy, any kind of energy. Hmm. Can you say just a little bit more about that? So for those listening who might not be super well-versed in the dynamics or the energetics of masculine feminine, how do you describe and define that? Yeah. So I'll first, there's a couple of things I always like to say. One of the things is that feminine and masculine, they are not universal terms. So in tantric Buddhism, feminine and masculine is different than what it is in Taoism. The body of work that I study, feminine is energy and masculine is consciousness. In some other lineages, it's actually the opposite, where the feminine is consciousness and the masculine is energy. 
like in the Western, we often hear of, we often think of feminine and masculine as yin and yang. So feminine is intuitive and calm and the moon and, and like it's yoga and ease and softness and the masculine is yang and, you know, hypervigilance and hustle and drive in New York City. In my body of work, it's, the, it's really the opposite. Masculine is stillness. It's nothingness. It's death. It's consciousness. It's the part of you that has no personality. It's just that beam of light, that orb of light that's with you in every life, in the next life, in the past life. It's the part of you that never shifts or changes. It's always there. It's your awareness. And the feminine is the energy, it's the Shakti, it's the Kundalini, it's the Chi, it's the movement, the tsunami, the forest fire, the rainfall, it's all of the energy. So if we look at a very simple metaphor that many people have probably heard, maybe not, the water inside of a river, the energy moving in whatever direction she's moving, splishing and splashing that's the feminine and the bed that holds it is the masculine does not i mean over time it does move because the feminine's force is so powerful and it actually is the thing that shapes the bed but the masculine is the thing that holds the feminine it is the container as we sit in our rooms here or if someone's listening to this as they're in the car, maybe driving, the car, the room that is holding you is the masculine. It's what's containing you. It's not shifting. It's not sh changing its shape, staying where it is. But us with our bodies are the feminine right now. I'm using my hands as I'm speaking. I can move around on my seat. If you're in the car, you're, you're the energy. So... In, my, in the body of work that I've studied, the feminine is the energy, masculine is the consciousness, and this lives within all of us. Everyone has it. Many of us have potential, at least, to have 50-50 equal parts, or I should say 100-100, full-out masculine and feminine. Ideally, I think that's the goal, that we all step into 100% of both. 100% 100 responsibility for both. My masculine capacity is really sharp. I have a really strong masculine capacity because I needed to do that to create safety for my feminine. It's all that I went through. And I think that's the case for most women. We need to create 100% capacity of our masculine. And then the feminine feels so much more safe to express and to flow and to love him and long for her and want this because we can hold all of that. And the same thing goes for men. So men traditionally have been raised to have very like, you know, yang, go out there, fight for your dreams, fight for the country, fight for the woman, bring home the money, climb the corporate ladder, you know, all the expectation and pressure that has traditionally been on men's shoulders. Well, how are these same men going to be able to understand this explosive, chaotic energy that is shifting within their partner if they don't have an intimate relationship with it within themselves first? So same thing, I believe for traditionally masculine men, they need to take 100% responsibility for training their own feminine. Get comfortable with your grief, get comfortable with your irrational nature, get comfortable with your I don't know-ness, you know, get comfortable with, I love you, now I don't. All the different shape-shifting emotions that you feel, own those, get comfortable with them. And then polarity is the art of engaging and relaxing the energies. So for the sake of love, let's say you're with your partner and you've been kind of like, doing the same thing for a while. You wake up together, you eat breakfast together, you go to the park together. Let's say if anyone's listening to this, maybe you have a baby together, you raise that baby together. The relationships 
need sameness to work. Relationships need sameness. In some ways, not all the ways, you can have different political beliefs or live in different homes, but you need some sameness. You both want the relationship. You both want to eventually move in together. You both that, that, that. But the interesting thing is sexual attraction, sexual friction, polarity needs opposition. So great, you've got the sameness. You both are spiritual. You both want a child. You both that, that, that. You have that container there, but polarity is the art of each of you surrendering one of the poles so that the other can take it up. So two people who have both feminine and masculine are going to have a great relationship because they can both hold themselves at the same time that they can feel their feelings, but it's not very sexy. It's not very sexy. You're, you're both self-sufficient. You both feel your feelings. You're both holding yourself. So polarity says, great, you can do that. We know that. Now, for the sake of love, for the sake of sexual chemistry, maybe she relaxes her self-sufficiency. She relaxes her masculine. She relaxes her, I can do it. Uh, Rosie the Riveter, is that her name? Rosie the Riveterness. She relaxes that. She lets it go for a night. And he lets go of the part of him that wants to be intuitive and feeling. And, and what do you want to do? He lets go of his feminine. He lets go of the part of him who just wants to get lost in feeling. So he takes up the masculine. She takes up the feminine 100% each. All of a sudden, we have someone that's all depth and consciousness. He's breathing deeply. He's grounded. He's holding the fort down. And she starts moving her spine like jellyfish. She's full of emotion and movement. And she's showing her erotic desire pulsing through her body. And then we have this beautifully polarized moment. And that's how polarity works. And then when you're done with it for the night, you're done with it for the week or whenever, you go on with your normal day. You go back into self-sufficiency or you go back into your feelings and until the next time you desire to repolarize the moment. Hmm. I love that. I just felt like I watched a great TED talk. That was, <laughs> that was good, Madeline. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one, one way that I've heard that described is kind of like that in relationship, we want security, stability, but we also want spontaneity, excitement, newness, freshness, and that by definition, those things are at opposite ends of the spectrum. And so at some point we need to slide kind of back and forth individually and together. That is that along the same lines of what you're saying there? Absolutely. That, that makes perfect sense. I'm not, I don't really know Tony Robbins work that much, but I think he has one of those things. He has something like the five main ingredients that we need. And one of them is certainty. And one of them is uncertainty, I believe. So it's just reminding me of that. It's very similar. Mm -hmm. Like we need the, like, okay, I know you're, I know you're my partner. We're both on board with monogamy. We're both on board with eventually that, that, that security grounded. And then there is the the surprise or the not knowing or the longing or the distance that is needed just as much. And it's important to know that these, the, the uncertainty part is a craft. It is a craft. It is a skill. So it doesn't just speaking primarily, I, I don't know so much about for men or for masculine embodied beings, but for feminine embodiment and feminine beings, it's very common that they are waiting for a partner to do these things, to bring the uncertainty, to spice up the relationship, to lead in a different way. And it's just as much our responsibility to let ourselves be led, to give opportunities to be led, to also bring the spontaneity, to also lead every once in a while, because that creates polarity too to treat your king as if they're helpless for an evening and get the bath ready, get the food ready and lead him for an evening. So we need to be active participants. I think culturally, socially, women have not been given that very profound, deep lesson of how to lead as a feminine being and that it's okay to lead as a feminine being. Even like, you know, sexually, there's just a huge 
generational ancestral uh i don't know what the word like habitual pattern of being passive in sex being passive being the one receiving it being the one pursued being the one desired um making him wait you know there's all of these stories that women have been given of how we're supposed to keep him interested or how we're supposed to receive and these are not sacred paths these are not the sacred paths anymore there are ways that we can be active participants in polarity active participants in the communion active participant participants in the leadership and that's one of my prayers for women is how to be more active in their pole, whichever pole they choose, the feminine or the masculine, just how to be a little bit more active while also holding the, the whatever they want, the mystery, the grace, the allure, the enchantment. These are the sacred paths. And it's fun. It's fun to learn how to be an enchantress and also lead, not to play a game not to win something, not to manipulate, but to gift. An enchantress is a gift. It's beautiful, it's exciting. And as long as you're doing it from a place that you're offering it from a pure heart, it's it's good for the whole relationship. I'm curious about how the idea of safety plays into some of what you described in the sense that, like I picture someone on the internet being like, I want to be a, what did you say, celery drinking? a mystical goddess, goddess yeah. and then they talk to you and you're like okay we're gonna do some grief work and it's like wait what <laughs> sorry uh i've never done that or for men or, or the masculine embodied individuals that i know and i'm familiar with it's like oh the idea of feeling out of control or surrendering to these emotional intensities inside or learning this language of vulnerability and putting the guard down can feel or bring about feelings of um, danger or perhaps that's too strong or fear or just a lack of safety. Is there anything you have encountered or have to say about that idea? Yeah, it's a great point. And I would say that there are different ladders to, 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 to climb, I guess we could say in the embodiment slash somatic experience so we have the i'm currently in a seven month trauma training that i'm doing and it's about time i'm really excited to do this to to pair it up with my polarity work because it's really needed really understanding the the finite and very small nuanced details of the body when it comes to experiencing any kind of emotional unprocessed work so we have it like we could say the the foundation, the foundation of the embodiment experience, aka for anyone that's familiar with uh, chakras, this would be like the root chakra, right? So at the root, where our sex is, this is where our uh, deep safety, security, grounding lies, and. Firstly, knowing that our body is safe to experience what we need to experience or want to experience comes with different tools. So maybe for some people, the level that you're at for feeling grief, is very, very, very subtle. It's sitting in a chair where you're connecting your root, literally, to your seat, and you just feel the flutter of grief in your heart. And you just slowly let that flutter of grief in your heart expand into your arms expand into your legs for five minutes and maybe you don't feel much at all but maybe you do feel something very little that you can describe after five minutes you bring that all back into your heart you seal it up and you move on with your day for some people a practice like that of five minutes of just feeling the flutter of grief is a lot and it's enough for other people it's shadow work right? It's like embodying the darkest, deadliest, and, and scariest thing that's ever happened in their lives in a room full of people with an audience where they act out the whole theater of this ter- terrifying idea or actual thing that happened or, or um, just fear that they have. They act it out and they actually experience it in their body. This is 
my favorite thing to do. <laughs> it's called sacred theater. It's where you take an idea, a concept, a taboo, a, a storyline, anything you make up. Let me give an example. Let me give an example because sometimes that helps. I do little tiny theater performances with my partner all the time. Sometimes I send him a video I will do in my living room. Sometimes I do them with him. So it, you know, one time, for example, um, he was off doing something with like leading a kind of group and other women were there. And he said something like he had a great time. And I was immediately fully triggered. Like, how dare you have a great time without me? I wasn't there and you had a great time. No, 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 does not work for me. So instead of the old, you know, patriarchal, manipulative, passive aggressive way of sending a text back being like, cool, cool, cool. Glad you had a good time. See you tomorrow. Good night. Something like that. Or or explosion of how dare you? I can't believe you did that. Like, don't you fucking know who your girlfriend is? Like, fuck you, you know, block number. Like, no, neither one of those. The, the way of creative intimacy is to go, okay, I'm jealous. One, let me own that. The actual emotion is jealousy. And then two, how can I make an offering out of this jealousy? So for this one example, I just bought this beautiful ceremonial dagger and I said something like, this is what I'm going to use on you and all of those women the minute I see you next. And then I actually performed a kind of dance that was like the dance of death. And I paired it with music and I had the lighting all right and I made it super erotic and sexy. But at the same time, I was like, you're going to die made it super dark. And then I was like, can I send you something, baby? And he was like, yes. And so I sent him this video of me dancing with my dagger, telling him that he's going to die next time I see him. And the beautiful thing about that is that I met myself. He didn't need to do anything. I didn't actually need him to do anything. I wouldn't have felt happy if he said he would never do that again, he'd never see those people again. Sometimes that's what people think they want. They want to know that their lover will always be with them, that their lover will never look at another woman, that their lover will never da da da. That's not what actually heals the heart. What heals the heart is for you to meet yourself. And we meet ourselves through expression, through making skits, through acting out something, through writing a song or a poem or doing a performance. But that, you know, that's, a, that's actually quite a, a light version of things I have done. I've done much darker um, and, and live things for people or, or in-group containers, just things that I needed to process that I needed to act out. And so this is for a level where the nervous system has already received an internal safety net. You've trained your body to feel safe in the expression. You, you know how to hold yourself before it, during it, and after it. Or you have a team of people who are willing to hold you during it or after it. And like everything else, there's different layers to that. You can do light shadow work, tense, you can do fun. But um, yeah, that's, I'll stop there. That was great. I, lo I love <laughs> that the, uh, the dance of death and threatening your partner with a dagger is like, the light and fluffy example. Uh, yeah. So I think it just speaks to the, the ladders that you reference. that there's, mm -hmm. there's different ways of doing this that honor what your own individual body needs and, and requires of you, right? So to not go too far, too fast, to go slow, to, you know, not too hot, not too cold, the water's just right kind of vibe. You brought up the idea of feeling triggered. And it seems to me like an important step that happened that wasn't necessarily specifically addressed in that description was that you owned like, oh, this is about me. Like, this has nothing to do with him having a good time. And like him not having a good time doesn't remove the core root cause of this sensation, which is this insecurity or jealousy in me, right? And you spoke to the idea that sometimes people want to have their partner delete their ex 
ex's number from their phone or to not talk to women. And that's not necessarily addressing what's really causing the sensations internally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you also have this great line on your website where you talk about turning triggers into masterpieces. I think Mm -hmm. it was a description. Maybe you could say a little bit more about those concepts, or I would love to hear more about that. Is that one example of a masterpiece, that video with the dagger? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, a, and my advanced practice group is called Creativity in Love. And so what you're referencing is on my website, I have this little like definition and I have creativity and love turning an otherwise trigger into a masterful piece of art. And your art gets to be anything. It gets to be, you know, art can be in the moment, you know, like stamping of a foot. Like, I don't like that. Or a a hiss. Or it could be, you know, a naked handstand on the wall. It could be a slap on the butt or a light slap on the face. Something playful. Um, Or like a pull of hair can be in the moment. Like, I consider all of that art. Anything that's not a collapse. And a collapse would be, if it were speaking about triggers, not saying anything at all. Dying inside while not saying anything at all. Mm. Slamming a door, withholding your heart, withholding what's true for you. Ouch. Like if what is true for you is, ouch, baby, that hurt that you said that to me. And instead you just withhold, you go blank face, stone cold, don't show anything. That's a collapse. It's not bravery. It's not taking the high road. It's a collapse and it's a withhold of your actual love. And this is what's so revolutionary to so many people that you are giving your love when you go, ouch, or that hurt, or I'm going to miss you, or I don't want you hanging out with those girls. I hate that. The key is you're not saying these things or doing these things to get something, but rather to give something. And the the beautiful thing is the more you keep flowing this expression, this showing your pain, showing your longing, showing your ouch, showing your love, it's not scaring your partner away. It's drawing them closer, especially for feminine beings who want a masculine being because the masculine is craving that energy. If the masculine is nothingness and consciousness and awareness, the masculine lights up. By seeing energy pulse through her body or their partner's body. So that longing, that fear, that desire is really, really magnetic for a primarily masculine being. So art, I have two ways that I describe this creativity and love is in the moment. So it's what we otherwise call responsiveness. It's very fast. The face, the movement, the breaking out in song, whatever it could be right then and there. And then after the moment, art is really where most people start because especially for women, they're so used to, you know, doing that stone cold face to protect themselves or not be seen as crazy. So after the moment, art is where you get to meditate on the event that happened and what you want to make out of it. So maybe your partner keeps, um, getting really, really jealous over you. And you want to express in a way, hey, I'm free. Like, I love you and I'm a butterfly. I have to be social. So maybe you think, okay, my partner keeps acting out in these really jealous ways and it's hurting my heart. How can I reveal to them that I'm, I need to be free. I need to go to parties and I love him. So maybe you order some butterfly wings on Amazon. And you, you know, you create a video showing that you're a free social butterfly. And you also, at the same time, show him how much you love him, but that you have to be free. And this is art that you actually kind of set up and you, you make a video out of it and you send it to your partner and it's free of charge. You don't send it so that they get it right then and there and they change their behavior and they move forward. You do it to meet yourself. You're expressing to yourself your own butterfly nature. You're making a piece of art for yourself and then gifting it. And you might have to do it again and again and again and again for five years. You could be making different pieces of art around the same relational 
frustration, the same trigger until you realize that relationship's not for you or you realize that you actually don't need your partner to change and they can stay jealous and it doesn't really bother you because now you have art as a way to, to soothe it. So once art is now in the mix, you have this really beautiful new modality where you you can start to see conflict and trigger in your relationship as a gateway to meet a new part of yourself. Oh, we're missing the mark on, on each other in this moment. What can I start to do around that? Next time that happens, what can I say? What kind of dance can I do? How can I reveal? How can I express? Or what can I make later around this, this frustrating thing? Can I write him a poem or a little haiku or do a scavenger hunt? for him leading to the end prize or whatever. It's keeping your relationship both polarized and spicy and fun, but it's also like you're constantly alchemizing. So I'll often say that creativity and love is turning triggers, AKA water into a masterful piece of art, AKA wine. So you're being a sorceress or a sorcerer or a priest or a priestess by saying this is an otherwise known problem and we're going to make something beautiful out of it. Mm. I love that too, because as a creator, and I've seen your Instagram, you're very creative and you have comedy sketches and alter egos and things like that. But in my experience as a creator, as a writer, the job is about making the art. And, and then it's just out into the world and how it re- is received is entirely out of our control. And to your point about that dynamic in a relationship, it sounds like the fundamental principles are the same. It's like, I'm communicating this, I'm offering this to you, I'm sharing, and then you get to do with it what you want. And that will then, of course, have knock-on ramifications about what happens next. But the intention, it sounds like, is purely to communicate, as you said, the language of your longing is how mm. you de- described art. And I loved that. And it, it seems like at the core of it is cultivating an awareness or a truth of what's going on, what you desire, and then offering that out into the world or your partner to be received as needs to be. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And I appreciate you. Um, honing in on that detail that just like being a writer or being a painter, being in a relationship where you make any kind of art, you make an offering, it is not up to you how it will be interpreted. As if it was, if you, as if you go to a museum and you see a sculpture and you want to enjoy it and see how does it move through your own body, the sculpture? What do you feel when you look at the sculpture? If you have someone in your ear saying, when you look at the sculpture, you need to feel dut, 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 dut in your body here, 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 and it needs to shift and transform this mindset belief within the next five minutes or else you didn't get it. If someone's doing that, you can't see how it's going to hit you. So pieces of art are going to hit differently than maybe you want them to for your partner. Like, you know, this isn't necessarily art, but one thing that is about my partner that I've slowly started to understand is that he does not really feel a lot of enjoyment from gifts. So if I get him, like I've ordered him food one time, I ordered him food just as a surprise. I took care of dinner for him after a long day and it like literally stayed on his stoop for hours. He forgot about it and didn't go out and get it. And it was, it was like a waste. He had to throw it away. And it was such a good moment for me to be like, here's this piece of, you know, to me, I would consider that art. Like I'm, I'm giving you this, this delicious meal. You don't have to worry about food. And a lot of times he's great about receiving, but sometimes because it's not a big thing for him, he forgets. And I could notice this part within me that wanted to be like, well, if I'm going to send you food or if I'm going to get you a massage delivered to your doorstep, then you better appreciate it in this way and this way and this way. And I could notice that kink come up in me of like, I wish I didn't send you something if you're not going to receive it. And it was, it's just such a great moment and it's a great Mm -hmm. experience for me to go, 
was this for me or was it for him? If it's for him, so what if it stays on the door? Like, at least I'm offering, I'm offering. He can do whatever he wants to do with it if he wants it to stay there for the next 24 hours on the stoop. It's not up to me. It's, it's out of my hands now. It's his. And sometimes those are the best experiences when we give something and it's not received the way we want. We really get to like heal our, I got to heal something in myself. I get to heal something in myself when he doesn't go crazy over gifts because it's really showing me how to give gifts without expecting anything, any kind of whatever, just to give. And I I love that about him. And I love that about us. I love this experience of giving without him always receiving it in the perfect way that I imagine he should, because I'm learning how to give more effortlessly without any attachment. That's pretty cool. (laughs) That is pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I love that this idea of, of unpacking or untangling perhaps the expectations that you had that you might not have even realized that you had, right. These, Mm -hmm covert contracts or these subconscious manipulations or however you want to describe them. It's like, oh, dang, that's, that's me. That's mine. Okay. Interesting. I get to look at that now. I get to learn about that. I get to turn that trigger, as you say, into a masterpiece. And it's another powerful example of of just doing the work and learning and growing and embodying, expanding. And it's uncomfortable in my experience. It's like, oh, dang make dinner for my partner. It's like all proud, laid out, looks so good, tastes so good. And it's like, oh, thank you. I really appreciate this. And it's like, well, hang on. Where's the parade? And like, where is, why aren't you kissing my feet? You know, it's like, oh, hang on. That's interesting. I, I had those expectations. What, what is it in me that needs that? Right? Um, totally, so- totally. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a, how do I say this? It's like, once you start to see that, once once I've started to see that within me and really work on my ability to make these productions, clean the house without a thank you, send food without it ever being eaten, make a plan for a special getaway that doesn't go as planned, whatever. And then I start to heal the attachment around how it's received. I can really like go into my own space around, wow, well, maybe this is actually just the lifestyle I want to give, to give, to give, to make, to clean, to this, to that, to open, to have adventure. And like, it's not a selfish thing, but what if I started really just seeing this as me? This is what I do. Instead of the hooks where I need anybody else to do anything. What if that's just the way I am? I'm a giver. I'm a maker. I'm a creator for me, for God, for love over and over and over. And, and people who enter my life are just, they are vehicles for where I can direct that thing that I'm already going to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let me, let me share my impression of that. And we can see if we're on the right path or on the same path. Um, One thing that I've learned, like one example from my own past, it's like, I would text somebody, Hey, or a voice note. Hey, just thinking of you. Love you. Appreciate you. Glad you're in my life. Yada, yada. And if I didn't get something back, uh, I would be like wounded almost like, Oh, they don't, they don't love me. This insecure part of me that wasn't um, being, it wasn't reciprocated. Right. And then I was intrigued by that and wondering, like, what's that about? That's a weird, it's a weird thing. And so then I sort of, the way around that was like, I took inventory of my actions of like, oh, I sent a text to three people that I care about telling them I love them. Like hands, hands are, I'm wiping my hands, like job done. I did it. And like, oh, I showed up with integrity. I, I did this, I did that, I did that. And I kind of made it more centered around my own individual actions rather than how it was received in the same way that if you're putting art in the world, it's not about what the reviewers say or what the followers on Instagram say. It's like, I did that. I'm proud of that. I feel an integrity. My life's aligned with my values. Like I'm good. 
and then trying to reclaim that sovereign space more and more frequently with less and less angst and Mm -hmm. annoyance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. And sovereignty is the perfect word for it. It's interesting because we're always like, say we're always, but you know, we hear all the time, like do things for others, do things for others, do things for others. And like, yes. And at the same time, Mm. it's interesting. It's like, do it for yourself, for love, for God, for the higher power. And it's actually cleaner. You're also still doing it for other, but you're there. It takes away the hook. It's so interesting. I want to, I want to sit with this, this whole, like, what is, what is selfish? What is sacred kind Mm. of concept? Because there really is such a sacredness of doing, expressing because you have to, rather than expressing for the other person, you know, it's just a really interesting thing. It's it's almost like the advanced level shit. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you want to get more money? You have to give more. It's like, Mm. that doesn't make any sense intuitively. But once you've like gone up the various steps of the ladder, it's like, oh, it's like some kind of sacred scroll that the teacher's like, now you're ready. This is yeah. the, the expert <laughs> level stuff. All right. Well, I'm conscious that we're, we're approaching the end of our hour together. It's been about 50 minutes. Um, is there any topic or any, um, anything that you feel like vibing on for another five or so that you just need the world to know about or Mm. one one idea just to plant a seed and you can choose not to water the seed and let it die i'm okay with that i'm just offering it out this line about your transition sorry your transmission being a magnet Mm. saw that on your website too and i was like that's a good line it's interesting Mm. so i'm just planting that one but anything else you really want to talk about for another five or so is fine with me I can riff on that for five. Yeah. So yeah, transmission is, um, hmm, how can I best describe transmission? When you walk into a room, when you enter a Zoom call, when you go to a full moon circle, anytime you go anywhere with your body, you are sending out something into the space. You know, you can see, let's say we're in the doctor's office and some 55-year-old man walks in, head hung down, shoulders haunched. Uh, you know, he's like, fl- his feet are floppy as he walks. His arms kind of sway a certain way. You can read his body very well if you just feel into what your body is saying. So my body if, if this character walked in, I wouldn't trust so much. It's not to say he's not trustable and he's not going to pay his bills on time. I mean it more so that energetically his spine doesn't feel very trustable to my spine. It's floppy. His head's hung down. I feel a, a transmission of maybe hopelessness coming from him. His body is taking the shape of hopelessness. Everything is concave. Everything is moping downwards. So there's something energetically and emotionally that's happening in his life. Maybe he's been with a partner who has emasculated him for 30 years and his body has taken the shape of emasculation. So we could also look at a 21 year old girl who's been through, has had a familial abuse her whole life. She's taking that shape too. And that shape could be multiple different ways she could take the shape of feeling unsafe in her own body you know being coming from the eating disorder world i know a lot about gaining and losing weight sometimes women and men but mostly women will lose weight so that they look more like a prepubescent boy to feel safe as long as they don't have curves they'll feel safe or they gain a lot of weight so that they feel safe in that way they kind of blend in So this 21-year-old girl could take a shape with her body of having been abused for so long that makes her feel safe. So maybe it's also concave, it's small, it's hunched shoulders, maybe it's weight gain, maybe it's weight loss, maybe it's the way she dresses, maybe it's how loud she speaks. We use these safety mechanisms in our physical bodies. Maybe she talks fast, right? Sometimes we talk fast as an energetic imprint. 
But our transmission, this idea of choosing your transmission is about getting familiar with how you're living in your body. What, what are the patterns I do? Do I cross my arms a lot? If so, you're probably, you know, closed off. You're literally closing off your heart. Um, do you hang your head? Do you cock your head to the side? You always look concerned. So we look at our body. How do we hold our body and ask ourselves, is this the transmission that we want to be walking into a room with? Is this healing the room? Or moving the arms to the side, raising the head up high, you know, teachers, therapists, most of them have a very, have a deeper understanding of how they're holding their body because it's important. If they're leaning in and they're breathing through their mouth, it's going to make the client feel uncomfortable and like they can't trust them. But if they're sitting with their spine up straight and their eye making eye contact, maybe not too much, but maybe just the right amount. And they're opening their body energetically. They're breathing deeply. It's going to create a kind of safer response in the client's nervous system. Same with the voice. If I'm talking really high-pitched and really up in my head and really fast, you are going to feel less grounded. If I talk deeper, slower, and I speak more from my belly, anyone in the room with me will feel more grounded from that too. So when we go deeper and deeper into yogic transmissions, we can start to get a little bit more exciting with it. Like, okay, what transmission do I want? Do I want to be the sacred enchantress of devotion? Okay, if that's what I want to be, how does the sacred enchantress of devotion walk? What is she dressed like? What do her shoulders do? What does her voice sound like? How does she eat? And we can get into these very small nuanced pieces of our physical body and our space and start to craft with more devotion and intention how we want to be living in our bodies, how we want to be breathing so that we send out that transmission. We become that and we can eventually begin to attract a partner that we want from that place. So that's my maybe five minute yeah. drop of that big topic. <laughs> Yeah, it's so random because you reminded me of this time when I was walking in Cape Town, South Africa, and in the middle of the day, was approached by two or three youths, and they were up to no good, you could tell, and they came up and got in my face, and I put out the transmission right back with big eyes, and was like, what's up? How are you? And then three minutes later turned back around and the guy that we were walking with who 18 had never been out of the country first time traveling was very sort of emasculated posture he was getting held up at knife point right and so to the idea that the transmission is a magnet oftentimes people can prey upon certain energies or certain body postures or you pick out the weakest link in the crowd to go off to go after etc so it kind of works both ways projecting the aura of the divine goddess, but also this victim um, mentality or posture that kind of puts a target on you, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Just reminded me of that. Exactly. It's like, like, oh yeah, I nearly got robbed at knife point while you were talking. Anyway. um, And I just, I'll just say on that, that's so true. And I will also say that that's why a lot of times people keep ending up with the same kind of partners that aren't good for them is because they haven't changed the shape of their body. So he who abuses might match up with she who must be abused. And I say must as in like her body is saying, come on, like I'm attracting that in or opposite, you know, he who who is being abused and she who must abuse because at some point or another, we're all, anytime we close our hearts where we can be abusive just as human beings, it's hard not to be at times. That's why this stuff is so important to look at, but that's why people find each other the bad boy finds the the girl the good girl waiting to be corrupted and it keeps happening over and over again because you're still sending out that transmission because you haven't done that inner work Mm. so this is this is a huge topic but yeah it's very it's exactly what you're describing here i'm sure i hear the uh the standard line of i only attract assholes or Mm. i only date assholes madeline moon 
thank you for being here. I really enjoyed that conversation and I'm certain <laughs> that people listening will take a lot out of it. For those who want to know more about you, I know you've got a website and an Instagram account, but is there any particular place you want to direct them? Hmm. I would say both of those places. My website's maddiemoon.com, Maddie with two Ds and a Y, and Instagram is Madeline Moon. And I've got lots of programs and courses and all sorts of goodies there that everybody can take a look at. I read online your book is underway. You will have a book at some point. Is that true? Yes. Yes. I wrote, I wrote a book in December and now it's going to go through the really extensive excruciating editorial process, but it should be out in summer. And I'm really excited. It's all about what we've talked about today. Transmissions, creativity and love, expression, matches, why we get paired up with the people we do. Lots of that kind of young stuff. Well, congratulations on writing a book. It's a big Mm, deal. And uh, I hope the birthing process is enjoyable and mm-hmm. as smooth as it needs to be thank you You're thank you welcome. so much for having me this has been so fun very welcome yeah i hope to talk to you again at some point sure that yeah. will cross absolutely all right thanks again so that is madeline moon as mentioned she is on instagram she has a website she has courses available you can hire her to coach you there's lots of ways to get into her world and i encourage you to do so and if you're looking for new wisdom again there are more than 150 podcast episodes just here to go through new york times bestsellers famous instagram influencers all kinds of humans talking about great topics. Get in your ear bones, share them with your friends, leave a five-star review, tell the mailman about it. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your help. You can find me online at Long Distance Love Bombs on the Instagram. I send a weekly newsletter out. Subscribe to the conversation. And uh, that's it. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you. I hope you learned a lot. Talking about collapse and masculine feminine and energetics and consciousness and creativity and art and death dances and daggers. Gosh, this was a juicy one.